I think worthiness is a huge part of what comes up when you are presenting prices or when you raise your rates. Anytime you're confronted with like this exchange of time for money or the skill you have or the expertise you have, anytime you're doing that, I think that you're met with this like, am I worth it? Are people going to purchase it? What if they don't like it? What if they freak out? Should I cut that price in half? How do I find validity? And, And I think there is something to be said about like looking back at track record and building that kind of trust muscle with it too. But there's also sometimes you just gotta go for it and like let yourself be surprised. For some of the most pivotal years of my life, tears were tucked back and hidden behind a masquerade of being tough. Being a warrior, someone who could hustle, work hard, and get things done. But it wasn't until I started to get more in tune with who I really am that things took off in my business. Welcome to I Might Cry, a podcast exploring how heart, mind, body, and spirit are all deeply woven into the way we do business. With guest interviews from experts in business strategy, therapy, emotional intelligence, the human body, and so much more. I'm your host, Elizabeth Marks of Almond Leaf Studios. I've been capturing luxury weddings around the globe for decades and now have the privilege of educating others on how to build and grow profitable business doing what they love. I'm on a journey of self-discovery, of becoming more of the uniquely beautiful, messy, and complex human that I was created to be, and I want to invite you to do the same. Join me on this adventure of uncovering the walls we've built that keep us stuck in patterns of limitation so that we can journey into living life with arms and hearts wide open. Let's venture into this together. All right. On today's episode, I have my husband, David, back. He is our lead videographer, for those of you who don't know, and has been with me full-time in business for about nine years or so now as our lead videographer and has certainly been on a journey with me through that time. Our business and myself have both changed a lot. (laughs) So thanks very much for being on, babe. I love having you on. And I know people have really enjoyed getting to hear your voice in this too. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. They do. They like you. You're funny. And you really like having me on? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, buy it. it. (laughs) You don't buy it. No. (laughs) Oh, so sometimes I get a little hard on him. (laughs) Supposedly I talk like Eeyore. We've recorded (laughs) this particular one. More than once, and I talk like Eeyore. He gets into this, like, super serious. I don't know. I don't know what happens to you. You (laughs) have an alternate personality when we start, when I hit record on podcast episodes sometimes. It's it's because we're trying to cleanse our bodies. Is that why? Yeah. So So you feel really like... Life isn't fun. There's no food. There's no alcohol. (laughs) It's just like, ugh. Go chew on some grass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're not going to talk about places no, or not. chewing on grass. <laughs> I thought it would be really helpful in light of what we're doing right now in the business, just really sharing a lot of help and support for other photographers specifically about the booking process that we've used. It is booking season right now for wedding photographers. And wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> And so I 
I'm sure that all of the people listening to this have probably heard me talk about it plenty about the booking process that really has changed so much for us. But I thought it'd be really interesting for them to get to hear it from you, to hear a little bit more about like kind of before and after we've implemented this system and why I now am so passionate about it. And I love teaching it to other people to get to help them grow their businesses too. So yeah, I mean, it's it's hard for me to speak into probably exactly what it was before, because like when I joined with Almond Leaf Studios, you took care of all of that. And it was like behind the curtain, the great (laughs) Oz was just making the whole thing happen. And I just showed up and shot weddings. And, And to some extent, I still do that. You still very much so run the business and I still just do that piece. But when it comes to the booking process, I'm definitely way more involved with, especially my side. Like like if it's, of course, if it's a video gig, it's going to be mine. If it's us together, then we both interact with our clients together. But before, the only thing I can really attest to was kind of a wait and see mentality and just a random conversation that would happen at the beginning of the year about what our prices were going to be. And then we'd put a really pretty PDF together. Then we just hope that people Did would then... Email it back and <laughs> hope but, Yeah. And there was a lot of like, man, I I don't know why. We've sent this thing to so many people. Why is nobody booking? doing anything. Yeah. This is crazy. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with it, but it was very unpredictable and very... At times, I think, I mean, you've gotten into this on this podcast before, after having Jaden, everything kind of came to a screeching halt because, first of all, there was no system to even happen while we were sort of away doing mm-hmm. maternity and patern- paternity. <laughs> we kind of went into coasting mode with the business in order to <laughs> stay alive because <laughs> we weren't sleeping or just, and, you know, Keeping what it's like if you alive. have a child. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a whole new thing. So both of us doing that, while that's awesome, is also no one's running a business. No one's going to work and making money. Which, man, um, if I knew then what we knew now, like right. we could have oh, whole, enjoyed yeah. that time mm-hmm. and still had the business growing. And, and we did that with Dax, but I mean, it wasn't brand new. So there mm-hmm. was a little bit of yeah. But yeah. when we had Dax, this didn't happen. This yeah. didn't exist. So. so what happened for anybody that maybe hasn't heard my story with that, mm-hmm. where I've shared publicly a little bit about that, do you want to give your take on what was that like? I call it kind of a financial rock bottom. Like mm-hmm. for me, it felt like a rock bottom moment where things just felt really scary and really hard mm-hmm. and certainly living in scarcity. It was super confusing for me because I am not like I said, not a business person, didn't have really any knowledge of how this all works and how this goes on. I was just doing part of your world. (laughs) (laughs) We went from living in Indiana to moving to Asheville. Everything was super exciting. Cost of living was more, of course. So like we bought a house. I mean, all these things were doing our normal life, which is staying out, spending money. And then we're done with that. But we were making plenty of money to kind of keep up with that for a while. And then when we had Jaden, yeah, there was just this level of confusion for me because I was like, why isn't anything happening? Like, it always has happened before, just Mm -hmm. fine. 
it's not happening now. And I remember, yeah, being in the kitchen and talking about selling our house and buying a van and, or moving somewhere into someone's basement or just doing something that would allow us to alleviate some of our, our needing to pay bills. And we literally just bought this house for the fact that we were having a child. <laughs> so it felt very backwards, but we were yeah. like, what did we just do? Like, this seems really bad and really scary. And so we'd had some conversations with multiple people that were business owners or had been business owners. I remember talking to my brother. I remember talking to Amanda and Brooke and like just all these people just being like, oh, we don't know what we're going to do and how to keep going. And yeah, I mean, you can tell that story. I think Brooke was talking to you. Yeah, I remember. First of all, I also remember just how vulnerable that was. Like, those were really scary, hard conversations to have, to be that vulnerable with people that we trusted, even though we 1,000% trusted them. Brooke kind of had to know because she's our CPA, well, so she's going to see true. we have no money. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember Brooke especially, like, I mean, it was on a Zoom or a FaceTime or something. But I feel like if she had been there, she would have actually physically, like, grabbed our shoulders and just, like, looked us in the eye and be like, you're going to figure this out it's going to be fine. She just had so much faith and trust in us in that moment. And then I think she ended the call and was just like, okay, now go fix your business. And I sometimes reflect back on that. She probably doesn't even remember saying it. Like it was such a flippant little comment, but I've reflected back on that hundreds of times and with such gratitude and be like, we did, we fixed it. (laughs) We fixed the business. Like it has not only like, do we actually have clients coming to us? And we, it's like this really fun, exciting game now of like, doing the work of raising our rates and feeling comfortable with that and growing into our own worthiness in that. And then also backing it up with the experience that we get to provide and all of that kind of bundling together. Like now it just feels so exciting and so freeing because we fixed it. Like, so now we actually have a strategy and a system in place. And so when I reflect on like point A, where we were in that like really scary spot all the way to where we are now, if I could pinpoint, there's one thing that happened that we implemented that really changed everything. It's hundred percent the booking system. Mm-hmm. I feel like when we implemented that strategy, that system, everything started to turn around. And all of a sudden we were like, oh, we're booking. Oh, we're booking again. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. we're booking again. Oh, let's raise our rates. We're booking again. And we were no longer in this place of scarcity. Where but it wasn't like this idea of booking systems was like the end all. It was the fact that you dove really deep into education, mm-hmm. not not doing education. I mean, yes, you are doing education, but getting education yeah. and investing money into other people who were very different than you, especially mm-hmm. at first. And then it kind of evolved into more people who are whole person centric, which is more probably your vibe. But at the beginning, I remember it was all business coaches, business coaches, yeah. business coaches. Because I was like, I got to fix and like, this business. And they were all talking about that, that yeah. piece, that booking piece. Like you have to take control Marketing. and know how many are coming in, know your numbers, know what it costs to do this and what it costs to do that and how much time you're putting into it and what does that break down into. And then you took all of that and created this booking system that allowed you to do something that you'd never done before and take control of your business. But also from my side of it, like I guess the very first question that you asked me that we are still answering, (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's what a podcast is, right? Take the long way home. Uh, (laughs) All those business coaches gave you the pieces. It's it's that duct tape mentality. Mm -hmm. 
that's the beauty of new ideas today is that we can duct tape pieces from so many yes. different spaces and places and create an entire new ology study of being. And to apply it to your own industry, since I wasn't studying from anybody that was in the photography world, I was just studying marketing and sales and business because I'm like, okay, I was an art major in school. I remember thinking I should have just gotten a business degree. (laughs) Like I could do art and have a business degree. I'd probably be far more successful. And so recognizing like this deficiency that I had of like, I got to figure some things out because for me, we had to hit such a rock bottom where I literally, I had to ask myself the question and we were asking each other this question of like, what do I really want to do with my life? Like, even though I've had a successful business for well over a decade, I have all this data, this proof that I can do this, that I can be mm-hmm. successful at this. I know I can rebuild it, but do I want to? Do right. I want to rebuild it? Do I want to keep going? And so once I feel like I got clear on that, that like, yes, I actually do want to keep going. This does feel like this passionate piece of like what I want to keep moving forward mm-hmm. with. Then I was like, okay, now I have to figure out how to do this. Like right. I got to go back to ground zero and I need to learn from people. So it very much was like duct taping. Like I learned this piece from here and this piece from here mm-hmm. and this piece from here. And then also like, now let me put piece it all together mm-hmm. and then test it out in my own industry. Okay. Right. Well, that part worked. That didn't. Okay. Now that part worked. Then like, it was such a yeah, a crazy wild ride. That's what's beautiful and good about all of that. I think that you wonder in me that I feel like we waste all this money on education all the time because <laughs> I hear it in your voice all the time. Mm-hmm. Like you're always asking for some reason for some sort of permission to invest money in so and so, invest money in some sort of program. And that's my um, woundedness, guys. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can say, like, Because there were promises probably made through every single Mm -hmm. one of those educations that never really came to fruition. But it doesn't really matter because it was all the pieces, Mm -hmm. like like what you just said. It's the duct taping of pieces. And could you have learned those in other places and spaces? Uh, Maybe, but it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. because this is where you did find it. And so the investment in the end came from five, six different educators Mm -hmm. that all kind of smushed into something that made you say, this is what is helping me. This is what's actually going to work for me. And so if anybody listening takes anything away from this, that's it. Quit blaming other people for your problems. Quit saying like, well, I invested in so-and-so's thing and I didn't become a millionaire overnight. Like, I think in times of scarcity, that's what we're hoping for. We're yeah. hoping for tomorrow. I want to have hundreds of thousands of we dollars. We certainly have. Yeah. <laughs> and I just want it to happen magically. Bring it down from the mountain to me. Tell me what to do. Tell me how to be. And I'll be all those things. I'll wear the right clothes. I'll do my mm-hmm. makeup and get on these entertaining, whatever, conversations. I don't even know what I'm trying to say right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll put together something that creates buzz around me. And that's not what it is. It's about finding yourself in the process. So the first time that we recorded this, because like I said, I sound like you are, I'm trying so hard to keep my eyebrows up. So <laughs> I'm talking higher. Well, I learned that in music class. <laughs> if you put your eyebrows up, you talk higher and sing higher. Uh, I wish you could see his face. He's uh, actually doing it. <laughs> so when Elizabeth put together this particular education, I mean, she's done a a ton of different education things, but the booking process was the piece that definitely created something within us that gave us 
I hate the word control, so I won't use it, but it gave us predictability. Mm -hmm. It gave us some level of if we do these things and then the clients and our couples respond, then we have a constant back and forth conversation and interaction that gives us a little bit of level of predictability on whether or not it's a good fit for them or a good fit for us and whether or not it's going to work. And so if we know that we need five Zoom conversations by the end of the month because two of those five will book, then how do we go forth from here? Do we want 10? Do we want, like, like I mean, you can sort of control that at that yeah. point. Yeah, it goes back to the quote of business is just math and math is easy. So business is easy. Math is not easy. I suck at math. But math can be easy. <laughs> math can get complicated, but you can make math easy. You can hear simple subtraction and ridiculous addition. Ridiculous stories of my math. But that allows business to become easy then because you literally can just calculate like, okay, well, if these are the numbers I'm going to charge, mm-hmm. then this is the kind of lifestyle I want. This mm-hmm. is how much money I want to make this year. And I know that I, on average, book X amount or X percentage of the inquiries that come in. You can literally just like do the math and work backwards and mm-hmm. go, okay, well, if I want to hit 10 weddings this year, then I need to have... I don't know, 50 inquiries coming in. Or if I want to hit 20 weddings this year, then I might need 100. And I mean, those are just made up numbers, but it becomes super predictable and you know very easily to how to go back and add the strategy. Mm -hmm. Now that's also talking very specifically about point A being the inquiry comes in, the lead coming in, and then point B being the booking, right? And so that's where I feel like this course is like, like we've got this, like we've kind of mastered this process for us. Mm -hmm. And so I would invite people to like, if you want to join the art of booking, Mm -hmm. take and leave whatever you want, try it on for size, make it your own, do it your own way. We've had people in the course that have tweaked things here and there and done things differently here or tested five different Mm -hmm. versions of this. And I love that. Every glove is not one size fits all. It's not going to fit you Mm -hmm. perfectly. You've got to do it your way. It's got to feel authentic and unique to you. Right. Also, let's back up to before point A too. Like that's also a whole nother conversation. And that's where I think if you are attracting people into that process, that's a whole nother part of the conversation. So I love that. What do you mean? Like we've talked a little bit about the booking process specifically from like A to B, like A being point A being the lead comes in and inquiry hits your inbox. So we are no longer just emailing back a pricing guide and crossing your fingers, hoping for the best. We are now moving them through the system. We have a very clear, once they've inquired, we kind of know when the B point is, the end point of that is. Mm -hmm. And point B is the end of the booking process. So they will either choose to book, move forward, or typically even tell us like, hey, it's not the right fit or hey, you're out of our budget or whatever, Mm -hmm. which feels really great. Right. I feel like... It's the relationship that matters because it's the conversation. It's the openness of like knowing what people are thinking. Because before it's just sending an email, never really having any interaction, maybe a follow-up phone call to answer some questions. And then that's it. I think this booking process, it's a system and I hate systems, but it does definitely allow us to ebb and flow and, and have our own being within it. But more so, it's just like any relationship. Like if I'm going to have a relationship with another person like you, (laughs) uh, (laughs) there's going to be open conversation. There's going to be not me guessing what you're thinking all the time. You're going to have to actually ask for what you want. And there are certain things that we've fine-tuned within us that is taboo or is wrong or we like to play games. Those are not helpful. (laughs) And business is exactly the same way. How can we make this as clear and as like no one's pulling 
one over on anyone. Like, yeah. we're not going to get ghosted. Like, we want to know if you are going to book or not. We will also give you the courtesy of this amount of time. All of these sorts of things, but it's mostly about, like I said, the open communication and the back and forth. And I think that that is what makes this particular system work. But there's different ways of making that work. As totally. Well. I am thinking even that analogy carries through. Like in my head, I'm picturing like a dating relationship mm-hmm. even. Like you take somebody out on a date. If you just like never hear from them again. Well, like if I asked you out with a note, check yes or no. Right. I'm and then, now and then waiting. That's right. a second grade way to do it. And right. there's nothing wrong with it, but it's a second grade but way to do it. But then if you just it. don't respond and the note right. never comes back, right. then you're just left in this you're place of limbo. You're hoping for at least a check maybe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you're left in this place of limbo. And I think that's what getting ghosted feels like when you're emailing back a pricing guide. It's like you're just sending this note to somebody mm-hmm. like, hey, you, you want to do this thing or not? And like, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Like you have to have a conversation. You have to maybe have a couple little like run-ins, a bump in or like, yes, let's Meet hang up. up. <laughs> you know, let's let's hang out or, uh, you know, let's exchange numbers. Like there has to be different touch points, different like building up the mm-hmm. process to kind of build that relationship. And then I would say too, like you brought up as well that like it's super cool that most of our clients our potential clients, like, let us know if they don't Mm -hmm. want to book. Now we're not just like left wondering. They usually Mm -hmm. email back and just say, Hey, or call or text or something and just say, Hey, we so appreciate you guys. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for all the time that you've given us and and all the things that you've done for us. And that's another thing. I'm going to pause that, but just say, I try really hard to be intentional with that. Like Mm -hmm. I love the booking process because we are giving very generously to people, whether or not they book Mm -hmm. like, and we don't have this ulterior motive of like, we're going to give to you so that you'll book. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, no, I, I actually am giving you some things in this process that will be helpful for you with planning your wedding, regardless of what you choose to do moving Mm -hmm. forward. And so that just feels really good. And I think it allows us to show up energetically with more confidence and more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Show up differently. Yeah. I think that, On the other side of this, going back to as you've gone through different educational systems (laughs) or people, (laughs) sorry, I laugh. Uh, I feel like we've had we've had this conversation before, so I'm trying to remember what I did and didn't say on this. But the, the systems are hard because they seem so utilitarian. But within those systems are real moving people that are hopefully creating good, meaningful relationship and contact. And so Elizabeth, having all of these things with different business coaches and life coaches or whatever coaches, in the end, all of them were producing within her confidence within what she has and how to go forward from here. And the hope is, I think in the end, with what Elizabeth is educating people with is that everyone leaves feeling like they have the tools to be the best version of themselves Mm -hmm. and to find and realize that there is worth there. Because I know from my standpoint, that was the biggest part is feeling like my worth was behind the numbers that we were putting on paper and saying, this is what it cost. Like that seems like a lot. Yeah. But because we know our numbers and this is our bottom number, we can't go lower than this because if we go lower than that, then we're charging blah, blah, blah per hour. And then we might as well work anywhere else doing anything else. Now my time is worth nothing. And now I can't spend time with my children. And Mm -hmm. now I can't, 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 can't because I'm. You have to work all the time. Yeah. And people make that joke all the time. Like, oh, I started a business so that I could work for myself. 
anytime I want. And all I do is work all the time now. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Right. You can work less. (laughs) So many years of my life Uh, I was that way. And you were so patient. at least know where that energy is going. Yeah. And what that looks like and what what it's going to end up as. I think that's a great segue into talking about our own worthiness. Because I think worthiness is a huge part of what comes up when you are presenting prices or when Mm. you raise your rates. Anytime you're confronted with like this exchange of time for money or the skill you have or the expertise you have, anytime you're doing that, I think that you're met with this like, am I worth it? Are people going to purchase it? What if they don't like it? What if they freak out? Should I cut that price in half? How do I find validity? And and I think there is something to be said about like looking back at track record and building that kind of trust muscle with it too. But there's also sometimes you just got to go for it and like let yourself be surprised too, you know, like raise your rates. Because it ends up shooting yourself in the foot. When we went through everything with Jaden, like right after we we went through nothing with Jaden, Jaden was great. (laughs) (laughs) But what happened to our business after having our first child definitely became this, and now it's probably triggered within us in certain times and places, but there's this kind of, if I cut my prices in order to pay, you know, our mortgage, then now I'm going to have to take three more of those calls and cut my rates, cut my rates for all of them. Let's go back and get clear on what you're meaning by that, because I do not teach cutting or right. like discounting rates. So but that's what we were doing. Right. So you're saying that in that point, in that space of scarcity, that we were right. so desperate that we would actually stop and be like, hey, oh, you can't afford me. Okay, well, how about this? Like, what right. if I take this out? And so for me, there it was, was almost like this interviewing them and like kind of probing and seeing like, yeah. What's your what price will you point? pay for what me? How much? Worth? And it became like this weird game or yeah. dance where you're just trying to figure it out instead of saying, this is what it costs and this is what we yep. do. This is what it costs. Take I'm it early. <laughs> yeah. And being very matter of fact. And now we don't cut our rates, but we do try to meet people where they are. So like there are times still to this day that people are like, oh, but you're like our number one and we really, really want you, blah, blah. And it feels like such a good fit. They're like, okay, we can do it at the price that we already agreed to, but we can give you, you know, two extra hours or we can give, because they're like freaking out that they know that they have, well, my mom really wants ceremony coverage or wants bubble. Like, there's always something else. So, well, we're going to keep our prices where they are, but we would love to gift you these other pieces of your day. And so they feel heard and whatever, but we're also not coming back and saying like, well, now it's a discounted thing. And now, you know, all that, but I've read this thing that somebody posted the other day that says rich kids being able to do art for a living may be a reflection of their privilege, but it seems to be like a reflection of the fact that a human that doesn't have to worry about money will often choose art. Everyone is an artist until rent is due. I wish we all had that right. So good. Yeah, I think that that sums it up, though. Like the second that push comes to shove, you were a creative and now you're just like, crumbling under the pressure and you're thinking about all of the ins and outs of how to pay your rent. So my question would be to somebody that's in that place, because we were in that place. Because we didn't come from money. We did not come from money. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of questions. Like I would love, like I'm imagining like a coaching session right now about that. Because I think there's like a million directions we could go with somebody that was in that place now, now that we have been through it. And I feel like, to be honest, we've tested and tried and did everything possible. And so now are out on the other side of that. And it feels really good to 
to be able to like reflect back and just be grateful for that, to know that like we have a system, we have support, we have things that are coming through and coming in and we've booked crazy, insanely beautiful weddings with the most amazing couples. All of those like shattered beliefs of like, well, if I raise my rates and I'm going to have to work with people that I don't enjoy, or I'm going to have to compromise my values, or they're going to be really demanding. And we've certainly shattered those beliefs in our reality. Like they've just been so kind and so sweet and so lovely. But yeah, I, I think it would be really helpful to like, say, if you are in that place of like struggling with things, there's probably some different things that you could do, some practical things that you could do. The biggest thing that I would say that is to energetically get yourself out of a place of scarcity. And I think the greatest way that we can do that is gratitude. And so I would even challenge you to say like, are there certain ways that you could start your day? And just instead of freaking out, it's something that we practice even in that. I think even when things were hard, we did it some, maybe things would have looked very differently if we had done it every day, all day. But just to look around and like shift your view and instead of looking at like, oh my gosh, I can't pay for this or what happens if that, or what if this person doesn't book me or what if nobody books me or what if I'm not good enough or what, you know, like all those doubts and fears that can come up. If you can acknowledge them, but then shift it to gratitude of like, I'm so grateful that I have a skill set and I have a passion that I get to do this. I'm so grateful that I have running water and I have whatever it is that you're feeling grateful about, like make it genuine, authentic. Don't just like randomly make stuff up that you're supposed to, but like truly, truly practicing gratitude, I think can really shift things and move forward. But yeah, I would love to just chat a little bit more just about worthiness and about the experience of raising prices through this booking system and allowing it to kind of be this like fun, fun and challenging, challenging only in that, like we're confronted with our own worthiness Mm -hmm. and our own deep fears and yeah, all of that shame, guilt, all, all the stuff that can come up with that when you go to raise your prices. What has that process been like for you? Me? Raising prices, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's probably easier now than it used to be, partly, like I said, because of the booking process that we do. It creates a muscle within me that it's looking people in the eyes and saying, this is what it is. Like, mm-hmm. And that's never easy at first. In fact, I remember sweating like mm-hmm. really we bad. We both did. Like every time we would... <laughs> Have certain meetings just feeling like, oh my gosh, like keep a straight face, don't sweat. Like, just like be yourself and be honest and be open. And this is what it is. And now it's way easier because everything, like everything, it takes practice to do anything well, but it also creates within you the ability to know that lots of people are booking at that price. Mm -hmm. And that's because they see the worth in that. Whether you believe it or not, there are people that are affirming it. And that can be a little bit tricky. That is really hard for someone because we come from different value systems, like our, our families, both of our families, having such different value systems around certain things. Like I could never imagine my mom and dad ever paying for anything like <laughs> what what people pay for us to be at their wedding. I mean, I think that their wedding had free everything. Like, oh, well, Uncle Joe is going to do this and Uncle and Aunt Baba was going to do the food. And I remember my oldest sister's wedding being that way. Like mom made all the food and like everything was so simple and not bad, just very different. The value system was very different. And so to come from that and then be producing a product that costs a certain amount of money that can feel uncomfortable to pitch to people. 
meant to say that this is what it is because this is what it costs to run our business and to live our lives. And this um, is how much we value this is what how we much, do. Right. Yeah. Right. So it is, it, it was hard. It's not as hard anymore, but it definitely still creeps in from time to time. And so it's funny to me that you say that because I actually just told him the other day, for those of you listening, that I actually think if we're going back to the conversation about manifestation, that he probably naturally like manifests most of the things in his life that he desires because he just kind of has always lived in this world of abundance. And I really recognize that probably seems interesting in light of the fact he just shared that he grew up not in a place of money. But I think coming from a back but enough, like, I mean, there was all- enough all of that kind of circles in together of like what I see in you of just that, like you always have had this belief that God, the universe, whoever, like this greater higher power is caring for you and loving you and cares enough about you to want to make sure that you have the things that your heart desires and the things that your heart longs for. And so I think you embody that and believe that in a way where like things just kind of show up and they just happen and they kind of always have in your life and way before me like Mm -hmm. it's just kind of unfolded where you just have a belief that like of course things will work out it'll always work out and I remember even some friends of ours when we lived in Indiana that would get so mad at you for it they would just be like like of course it works out for him it always works out why does it never work out for us it always works out for him and I think that some of that is just kind of the the way that we believe and move through the world. And I think I've always appreciated that about you, that you do kind of believe that. I think really doing the work to believe what's possible for you, to grow into your own worthiness and to grow into... I don't know, challenging yourself even like, can I raise my rates? And can I sit with the discomfort of that long enough that it becomes comfortable? If that's what you believe, like, and we've had this conversation, if you haven't listened, you can go back and listen to our whole episode about manifestation, the question that I asked Elizabeth. But if that is what it is, then I don't know. I think that uh, I also am constantly okay with being wrong or wanting the, something different, if that makes sense. So yes, it always works out, but I'm, I try to have as little expectation (laughs) for that as possible. And so some things happen and they happen differently than maybe what one would want. Maybe I didn't really want it like that, if that makes sense. Maybe it comes in sideways um, Mm -hmm. a little differently. But that also, like I said, tries to come from having little to no expectations. But that's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, one more question for you. Do you think that it's possible to price yourself out of the area that you live in. Oh, maybe um, the area that you live in. Like, it depends if you're willing to travel. <laughs> I hear it happen um, a lot. I hear people yeah, say, people say well, I can't raise my rates. People around here won't book right. me for that price. I can't raise my rates above yeah. this because people around here won't book We me used to that. say that here because Asheville definitely has... Uh, like it seemed like there was this like kind of cap of like this and is do you what still believe that's like, true no but people would still say but you live in Asheville and that's like a tourist town and everybody comes to you sure so like it's it's true that we live in a fortunate place where it's much easier to say okay like yes there is no such thing as a cap for here and we by no people- such thing there is such thing like, I mean there's such thing as everything I could <laughs> 
so philosophical. Uh, yeah, I'm going to charge $10 million to just shoot somebody's wedding in Asheville. That's no one's probably going to book you for that. But you can book one wedding and retire. Well done. <laughs> so maybe that should be our new goal. Let's let's book one wedding, $10 million, and call it quits. And this is where Elizabeth starts rolling her eyes, <laughs> where I'm like, we're very off topic. But by next year, oh. Little Caesar pizzas can cost $55. So... <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I ask this is because I feel like so many people have that conversation and have that. And I feel like a lot of times it's really just a barrier. It's an excuse of not wanting to do the work to raise your rates and to figure out how to be attracting the clients mm-hmm. or to step into your own worthiness at that price. Mm-hmm. Because it was true for us where we were like, oh, well, this is what Asheville's market well, will when tolerate. You moved, when you moved to Indiana, I remember you had that kind of in the back of your head too. Because you were like, here I was coming from Charlotte, which has a lot of money and people that weren't blinking an eye. And then you move to Indiana and you're like, oh man, I should probably try to attract Chicago because that's a bigger city than Indianapolis or whatever. And then you were told very quickly, like, no, Indianapolis will totally, are you kidding me? Like that's, Mm -hmm. there's a huge market for that. One of your weddings that made it into Martha Stewart was in Middlebury, Indiana. I mean, that Mm -hmm. is like People, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Middlebury, Indiana is Amish. Like, like, there's nobody there. Like, I don't understand. So to say that there are certain people in certain places with money doesn't really matter. And people want what they want. Mm -hmm. And people will pay for whatever they think something's worth. Not just think, but like, like, they believe this. Like, it's what makes a certain painting worth what it's worth. I mean, did it take more effort for somebody to paint that than to paint something else? Not necessarily, but somebody saw it and said, that is incredible. And I'll spend crazy amounts of money Mm -hmm. to have that up on my wall because I love it. And that's hopefully what people are seeing in whatever you, us, we're all doing. And also, I feel like that's part of the the validity to me of like raising our rates and being able to like step more into the kind of lifestyle that we want to have. It's not just to like have nicer things or like, oh, we want to be rich or we want to be, it's not like from an egotistical place. It's a place of like, I want to be able to give more generously. I want to be able to do things and gift to things and purchase from other artists. And, and so I would say that like, I feel like it's this reciprocal cycle, you know, of like they're investing in us and we also get to invest in art that we appreciate Mm -hmm. and services that we appreciate and, you know, whatever that might be. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for being on. For those of you that are interested in the art of booking, it is a full course that you can join at any time. We do have live weekly coaching calls going on for this year of 2022. Well, I'm going to go get on right now. (laughs) But you can join that. One of the best ways to find out about it and kind of tip your toes into the waters a little is to join my free masterclass called Path to Profit. You can find it on Instagram. You can find it on a website. It's education.almondleafstudios.com forward slash path dash to dash profit. Dash, 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 dash. So I'd love to have you join me in one of those free, totally live masterclasses. I'd love to have you join me on there, ask questions. We can get some answered. We're talking through three big mistakes that we made from that kind of before version of our lives, like when things were kind of in a place of total scarcity to where we are now. So how we've come out of that. So three mistakes we were making then that we have now resolved and are, have allowed us to grow to where we are. So if you'd like to join, I'd love to have you there. And Always feel free to DM either David or I. I am at Almond Leaf on Instagram. Don't DM me. 
<laughs> at Almondly Video. He says don't, but I think he really means yes. Wow. <laughs> no, he loves you. I, <laughs> I promise. Skeptic that he may be. <laughs> All right. Thanks for being on, babe. It was a hoot. <laughs> Do we just leave it there? Or do we tell them? Do we tell them? That's, that's your new favorite phrase that you're trying to make a comeback. Do mm-hmm. we tell them that? I guess I just did. You did. You just told them. We'll see if it gets edited out. What a hoot. <laughs> what a hoot. Bye. <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast today, do us a favor and hit subscribe and then leave us a review. If you're looking for more, you can find us at almondleafstudios.com or on Instagram at almondleaf. Remember... You are enough. You are love. You are light. And you are worthy simply because you exist.